Heavenly Father and our God, we thank you for this day where we can gather together and hear from you. As we embark on today's study, I pray your Holy Spirit would teach us all things and that everyone listening will be forever changed for the better. Having a better understanding of your word and ultimately, Father, a closer walk with you. Be glorified now as we look to you to teach us all things. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we ask and pray. Now, all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Here is your topic for today. Kindly take a note of it. Who is winning the bid over your soul? Question mark. Oh, I'm going places today as the Spirit of God lead. Who is winning the bid over your soul? Question mark. Oh, yes. There's some bidding going on. The two main bids is from God. The other one is from the devil. So let's start there. But before, you know, first and foremost, to address the question and answer appropriately, we need to define what is our soul. So let's start with Webster's Dictionary definition. The soul is the spiritual part of a human being regarded as immortal. Regarded as immortal. And they're absolutely correct. Our soul is immortal because our soul cannot die. No soul can die. Every soul will exist or live forever. Exist or live, yes, because if you're living with God, you're not just existing. You're alive and vibrant and joyful and doing great things. But if you're not with God and you're in torment, you'll be existing forever. That's the difference. So let's stay together. Let's, let's go through this. Now, our soul is our innermost being. That's control. This is, this is very important to understand. You might want to write this down. Even if it's not a key point, you might want to write this down. It controls our thought process and the intake and storage process of the heart. This is deep. Our soul, it controls our thought process. And the intake and storage process of the heart. So our soul will allow certain things to come in or it won't. Based on who controls our soul. This is deep. Now you see why it's so valuable. And why Satan tries to get as many souls as he possibly can. Because he wants to control people. He wants people to be geared to the things that he wants them to do. And most people will miss this because they're not seeking on a higher level. Now, let's go to some scriptures. And we'll get back to some talking. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Hope you guys came to hear a word today because we got one. Matthew 16. Glory be to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Matthew 16, let's start in verse 13. 
Matthew 16 and 13. Now, we're going to talk a little bit first about how Peter was promoted by Jesus. Watch this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they said, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say, this is a promotion. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbid in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Man, ain't that some good promotion? Peter must feel way up here like, wow, yes. You know, Jesus just gave me a promotion. Okay. That's good. But then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Because he didn't want that to go to get out yet. Now watch this. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter, this is the same Peter now, who just got promoted, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter, who he just promoted, and said, Get away from me, Satan. What? How can the gates of hell not prevail? And now Jesus is calling him Satan? He says, you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Stop the press. This is important to understand. Your key point number one, write this down. When promoted by God, keep your soul away from Satan before you get demoted by God. When promoted by God, keep your soul away from Satan before you get demoted by God. Now you've been thinking, how do I keep my soul away from Satan? Okay, keep your thought process on holy and righteous things. Keep good and um, holy things in your heart. And if you're seeing anything ungodly that's trying to creep in, rebuke it in Jesus' name. So Satan don't get a hold of your soul. 
Because you may be promoted today and think, I'm going to heaven. I repented of my sins. I'm living for Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And you can easily dwindle back down and start living for the devil. You have taken your soul and given it to Satan. You have people preaching this foolishness. Oh, once saved, always saved. You can just say, I accept Jesus and keep on misbehaving. That's a bunch of hogwash. I didn't even know hogs do laundry. <laughs> but I'm telling you, my friends, you guys keep your soul away. We got to keep our souls away from the devil. We love promotion. We love to be promoted. We love to be, you know, lifted up and, you know, feel good. But I'm telling you, God can easily turn it around if we take our eyes off of him and start hanging out with that devil. Jesus had to rebuke Simon, and he was his main disciple. And he called him Satan? Exactly, because if the devil is influencing the things in our mind, the things in our heart, and we keep following him like a little you know, puppet in a string everywhere he goes, yes, yeah, Satan, I'll do that. Yes, yeah, Satan, I know it's a sin against God, but God understands, I'll keep on doing that. You keep on doing that all the way to the wrong place. Not good. I'm just talking to people that want to go to heaven. Because this world, just watch the news and see what's going on, is fading fast. I'd rather put my stock in heaven. If you're doing investments with stocks, bonds, and things like that, heaven is our best option. <laughs> Not this world. You lose big time if you put your stock in this world. All right. Verse 24. Let's read some more. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain all of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, America, Europe, the whole world, and lose your soul? What a serious question. Is anything worth more than your soul? Remember, I just told you initially, the soul will never die. The soul will live on and on and on and on. A billion years down the road, the soul is still alert. Still remembers our time on earth. We won't forget. But don't spend forever in regret. I went over someone's head. We're not going to forget what we did on earth. But don't spend forever in regret. Thinking we didn't do the right thing and get separated from God instead of being unified with God and spending forever with him. And there's nothing people can do to change that once they cross over to the other side. Now is a time 
when we have to make sure we stay on the straight and narrow path so that when we see Jesus, he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not, depart from me, I never knew you. Your soul is all wrapped up with Lucifer. Don't go out like that. I know we have challenges, but we got to keep in mind, ain't nothing more valuable than our soul. People are selling their soul. This rapper, and I can call his name because he's the one to put the record out. This rapper named um, Snickerbar, uh, Eminem. Um, he said, <laughs> he said, um, <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah, he said that um, in the song, and I, and I heard him, he said, oh, I sold my soul, but I didn't get much for it. And people think it's a joke. Well, people are out there selling their souls every day, making deals with the devil just to get their superstardom. And they realize that's not all that's cooked up to be. There's a young man named Kurt Cobain that sold his soul to the devil. And he wrote in his suicide note, the devil tell me it's time to come home. He was the lead singer of a rock group named Nirvana back in the day. And uh, when I was in high school, they were out making millions of dollars and real popular. And when I read that, I felt sad. I was like, man, these young people actually get so connected with the devil and exchange their soul to him. And they're getting a raw deal. They don't realize it because they don't know the value of their soul. If you know the value of your soul, you wouldn't be just trading it off like that. If you know you have a car that's worth $100,000, you will not trade it for someone and only take $1,000 for it. You'll be like, no, my Mercedes, my Maserati, my, you know, all my, my vehicle costs more than that. You ain't going to give me no $1,000. You must be crazy. So why are you giving your soul to the devil? Everything you present, you just gravitate to it. The devil say, oh, tell a lie. And get by, and you're like, okay, blah, 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 blah. You know it's not true, but you tell it anyways. Everything he tells you to do. The devil say, compromise here. Okay, I'll compromise here. Compromise there. Okay, I'll compromise here. Whatever you want, Lou, I'll do. Your soul is more valuable than that. Put a price tag on your soul? How much can you afford or not a four, but how much can you really think, or how much do you think you can receive that will justify the price of a soul? Nothing. If you put all the billionaires and trillionaires together, not any amount of money, it doesn't matter how big the is, because that money cannot buy your way into heaven. It can't. Soul? You might want to take your soul a little bit more serious because there's a bidding war going on. The topic again is who is winning the bid over your soul? And right now, so many people I've spoken with, I'm realizing that, man, Satan is getting a drop on them. Not good. Let's wrap up this verse here. Verse 27. 
For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Key point number two. Write this down for me. Our soul is the most valuable asset we have. And that's why Satan wants it. I want you to write this down because this information needs to be shared with so many of our peers that is not getting the same type of teaching. Our soul is the most valuable asset we have. And that's why Satan wants it. And it's not tangible where you can just, you know, hold the soul in your hand and squeeze it. You can't do that. The soul is spiritual. The soul is your innermost being. When you wake up in the morning, if the first thing on your mind is your food, then your soul is wrapped up in your food. If the first thing on your mind for the youngsters is video games, then your soul is wrapped up in video games. But if the first person on your mind is God and the Lord Jesus Christ, guess who your soul is wrapped up in? I'm just telling you straight like it is. Some people, they get up, the first thing on their mind is, oh, I got to check my account. Your soul is wrapped up in your money. Some people, they get up, and the first thing on their mind is, oh, I got to do something. In my relationship, the soul is wrapped up in your relationship. I'm not against loving your wife, loving your husband, loving your children. I'm not against that. But I'm just saying, your soul needs to be focused on Jesus Christ. Because if you don't have your soul, your soul is going to be focused on everything else. And that will let us know that the devil is winning the bid over your soul. I don't want that to happen. If you've ever been to an auction, they talk really fast so you can't hear everything. <laughs> And that's what the devil is good at doing. <laughs> oh, goodness. So in regards to this bidding war, let's look at the bid that Jesus put in. The bid that Jesus put in, keep in mind, you know, about the love of God. He loves every soul that he creates. And it's so important to understand this. He created our soul and wants our soul to honor him. But he will not force our souls to honor him. If we want to give the devil our soul, it's our choice. I don't recommend it. I recommend you give your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he loves you. And he will continue loving even if someone goes to hell. And I, this blew my mind many years ago because somebody said, oh, God hate all the people that go to hell. I said, no, that's incorrect. That's not what the Bible says. The people who are in hell, God still loves them, but he's a just God and he has to reward people accordingly. 
And if their actions prove to him that they prefer the devil more than him, then he gives them what they prefer. Let me show you in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's go to verse 38. The Apostle Paul writes, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing? What about death and hell? Okay, well, listen what it says. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, and not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That means no matter what we're doing, no matter where we end up, God still loves us. That's a deep... And you know, when I look at it and he said, Trevor, let me break it down to you so you can understand even more. You have your son. He does something to offend you. He didn't listen to your instructions and he wronged you by, you know, turning on a TV when you say don't turn on or whatever. And you get upset. You may punish him, but does that change your love for him? I'm like, no, I still love him. And he says the same thing. When people do wrong, I still love them. But because of my just nature, I have to punish. That's what a good father does. That's what a good mother does. Discipline their children. Now, I'm not talking about taking their shoes off and throwing at them and hitting them in the back. No. That's abuse. That's abuse. All right? The discipline needs to be a little more structured than that. You know, if, if you have to get a belt and you explain to them why you're disciplining them and then you let them put their hand out and stuff like that, you know, that will work. But not abuse, you know. You don't, uh, the worst part is when you tell them to go get the belt. You know, that's funny. <laughs> and kids... Not kids, but youngsters, if your mother or father discipline you and you put your hand out, don't move your hand and let them hit themselves. That's not good for you. <laughs> That's not good because every time they hit themselves, it's 10 more lashes for you. <laughs> Unbelievable. But listen, spanking never hurt the children in the long run. The lack of spanking will hurt them in the long run. I was spanked, and I turned out good. I know my friends and other people I know that didn't get spanking. The parents, oh, I never spanked them. And I'm looking at them being a hot mess right now. Not good. I'm telling you, it worked. Because every time you're about to do something wrong, you remember that spanking, don't you? And God, in his disciplinary mindset will say, okay, I want this person to turn from evil and do good. So let me put a little bit of spanking in their life to get their attention, to get them to say, you know what? I need to get closer to God. Take heed 
and stop allowing the enemy to gravitate to your soul because that's what he wants. He wants to sign the contract to get your soul, to have you so wrapped up in him that you don't want to hear nothing about Jesus. You don't want to read your Bible. You don't want to pray. And listen, that's the bare minimum for a Christian. What are, we, what are we supposed to do every day? Every day, we're supposed to be reading our Bible. We're supposed to be praying. Not once a week, not every other day. I mean every single day. That's the bare minimum for a Christian. And here at Jesus Team, we make it easy for you. We even give you a schedule to follow. It can't get no better than that. But some people are like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm busy. You ain't too busy to take the phone call. You ain't too busy to surf the internet. You know I was giving you new words. <laughs> you ain't too busy to watch the television. But you can't find time to read your Bible. Okay. It shows where your soul is wrapped up at. Every one of us need to make an honest judgment of ourselves. So we don't come into judgment in a negative way. And I'm just telling you what works. We have to make our priorities for God. He prioritized for us by coming to earth and dying on the cross. He made it a priority for us. Look at what John had to say. Go to John chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 29. Because John already proclaimed who Jesus is. And we want to remind some people. John 1, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Point blank. Then Jesus himself goes on to say in John 14, Let's go there real quick. Because I'm telling you right now, he gave us his bid for our souls. And we can either accept his bid or reject his bid and go with the other guy. John 14. This is what Jesus says to everyone listening. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? 
when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know where I'm going. <laughs> and you know the way. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, this is the most, the biggest, boldest, most, you know, powerful statement Jesus ever made in the Bible. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Period. Oh, glory be to God. He gave us his bid. He said, come through me and I will take you all the way to glory. Amen. He gave us his bid. <laughs> Key point number three, write this down. In Jesus' bid for our souls, he promises an eternal home with him. The same is true with Satan's bid, but he keeps it a secret. Oh, we're going to talk about this guy today. In Jesus' bid for our souls, he promises an eternal home with him. The same is true with Satan's bid. But he keeps it a secret. Yes, he does. Satan knows that the lake of fire is not very enticing. So he focuses on the here and now, the fun activities and distractions to keep our souls from God. That's what Satan does. He's not going to tell you that if he captures your soul, you're going to spend forever with him. He's not going to do that because he's not a fool. He's not going to say, hey, you can do whatever you want. You can lie, steal, curse, whatever you want to do that makes you happy. Just go ahead and do it. And then in the end, you'll be with me in the lake of fire. He's not going to tell you that because you're going to give... You're going to catch on to the rake. You're going to catch on to his sneaky ways, his lying ways. Let's go back in the beginning for a little bit. I just want to show you how this all got started with the enemy trying to get your soul. Let's go back to the beginning. Because sometimes we have to go back in the scriptures so we can better understand the future. So go with me to Genesis chapter 2. And if you can't find Genesis, you need prayer. I told someone, I to turn to Genesis. And they're like, Genesis, Jenny who? Where can I find? <laughs> not everyone read their Bible, believe it or not. Some people think it's a big storybook that's not even... Real, I think it's fictional. All right, so Genesis chapter 2, let's go through this real quick. Verse 8, it says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. 
The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, that's what he did in the middle of the garden. All right? Then verse 15, drop that down there, verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him. He didn't just told him, he warned him. You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, this is the warning, you are sure to die. And like I'm telling you today, if you give the devil your soul, you're sure to die spiritually. You don't want to go out like that. Now, let's go to chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals of the Lord, the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God, and this is how these demons come sly and try to, you know, turn things around. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course you may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. So Eve is well aware of the conditions and the regulations. She's well aware. Like we may know, well aware, that if we touch the fire, we're going to get burned. And we're like, let me see how close I can get to it. And the next thing you know, oh, I got burned. Yeah, because you went too close to the fire. You can't do that with devil. Because the devil will lure you in with candy. Well, you may like, I don't like sweets. Okay. The devil will lure you in with a piece of chicken. Right? <laughs> and next thing you know, boom, you got eaten. You thought you were going to eat something and you turn around and get eaten. That's how Satan works. So Eve is there conversing with this demon, not realizing he had a master plan to take away her life. Yes. So watch this now. Verse 4. This is what this demon is going to lie to her and say. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes, and this is the luring now. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God. Don't you want to be like God, Evie? Knowing both good and evil. It says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of it and <laughs> took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. You see, there's a bunch of things in there. And time won't permit me to go into all of that. But I'm believing it had to be a little more than that. Somebody had to say, 
But God said not to touch it. But I believe since Eve was convinced, and ladies are very good at, you know, convincing their husbands to do things that the husbands don't want to do, you know. Now, if it's to come to church, that's a good thing. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes husbands don't want to do certain things, and the wives like, please. And because husbands love their wives, they try to please them. In Adam's case, I feel bad for him because I believe Eve pulled rank. Eve looked at Adam and said, Adam, remember, I am the only woman in this garden. <laughs> Adam was like, where do I bite? <laughs> Adam already got with his wife and he knows the animals can't please him. He need his wife. And I've heard so many stories. She was nagging me, Pastor, nagging, nagging. I was finally giving and do it. I feel bad for you. Same thing happened with Solomon. Solomon's supposed to be the wisest man walked the face of the earth. Well, second to Jesus. You know. And what did he do? He got too many wives. And they were nagging him, nagging him. God told him, don't worship any other God. Next thing you know, Solomon is worshiping the God of, you know, from the Ammonites, God of the Canaanites, all of these different gods, Solomon worshiping them. Why? Because he married women from these nations, and they're like, you don't love me, Solomon. You never worship my God. They're uh, uh. like, okay, let's go worship your God. There's got to be a foundation where you say wrong is wrong, right is right. I'm going to glorify God in this situation. Because if you don't, you may gradually lose your soul and think you're still going to heaven. The worst place to be is destined to hell thinking you're going to heaven. And that's why Jesus gave me the scariest verse. Gave us all the scariest verse in the Bible. Matthew 7, 14. Pathway to life is narrow. It's difficult. And he says, only a few ever find it. Now here, I'm teaching the word of God and I'm like, Lord, I pray Jesus' team is, one, is a part of the few. Because the challenges are out there. And I see how easy it is for our church brothers and sisters to slide to the left. Well, I want to encourage you to slide back to the right. And do what's right. <laughs> so, back to Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at verse 8. Read real quick with me. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? <clears throat> he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. Oh, gosh, Adam. Pitiful. Then the Lord got asked the woman, 
What have you done? The serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. Oh, goodness Eve. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. And before and between your offspring and her offspring. I will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, ladies, if you have given birth natural... Uh, you know the pain, you know, and sometimes the epidural don't even work too good, right? <laughs> so it's all Eve's fault, but we got to forgive her. Got to forgive her. Don't hold her up, you know. <laughs> don't be sitting around saying that dog on Eve, wait till I see her. <laughs> no, 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 forgive her. And to the man, he said, since you listen to your wife, and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. Imagine, Adam wasn't created to work a nine to five. But because he went out and did that foolishness, now we got to be working hard every day. That doggone Adam. I'm telling you. But we got to forgive him. Show him love. He knew not what he was doing. He wasn't aware of the consequences being lasting. He says, it will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made for you were from your for you're made from dust, and to dust you will return. God didn't create him to die, he created him to live. But because of sin and giving his mind and his heart to the devil, he ended up losing his eternal status right there, and he had to go through a dead process. So now God had to send a second Adam, Jesus, to take our place on the cross. And that second Adam, Jesus, did not sin. He fulfilled everything he was supposed to do. And he was seen as blameless in front of God and able to be the Lamb of God. And the Lamb of God means the sacrifice of God. My, pen, my friends, I'm telling you right now, this is deep to understand. Lucifer is still in the business of tricking people, trying to get their souls. Protect your soul. You protect your money by putting it in a bank or getting a safety deposit box. You protect your house by locking the door, putting an alarm system in there. You may even buy a pit bull or a chihuahua <laughs> as a deterrent. <laughs> But you do whatever you got to do to protect your house. What about your soul? Don't take it lightly. Protect your soul. 
Key point number four. When Satan lies, there is always more than what meets the eye. Don't allow his fast-talking bid to get you cooked like fries. <laughs> when Satan lies, there is always more than what meets the eyes. Don't allow his fast-talking bid to get you cooked like fries. And God allow me to use the rhyme because you will remember a rhyme. That's how we remember so many songs. Because of the rhyming verses. Well, use this as a tool to keep you away from that fool. And Satan is the biggest fool ever created. He was in the presence of God. He was an archangel. Minister of music. And he decided he wanted to be just like God. What a fool. When Satan lies, there's always more than what meets the eyes. Don't allow his fast-talking bid to get you cooked like fries. Now I'm going to show you what his ending looks like. And everyone who allows him to have their soul what their ending will look like as well. Go with me to Revelation 20. You guys came here for a word, not to chit-chat. To God be the glory. And I'm not here to socialize. It's good, but I'm here to give you something and make you realize what's really happening. Revelation 20. God said, this is what you need to show them. And I will. I'm obedient. Revelation 20. And we're going to start in verse 7. Read through this real quick. All the people that want to cast their lot with Satan, they can expect this. When the thousand years came, come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison he will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog. In every corner of the earth, he will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numerous or as numberless as sand along the seashore. That means they can't count it. And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consume them. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. When you see forever, it's bad or not so bad. But when they add and ever, or and forever, you know there is never going to be an ending. And I'm not saying these things to scare anyone. I'm telling you what's going to happen to aware everyone. Because some pastors telling me, physically, tell me face to face, man, Trevor, I don't ever go to Revelation. I say, you're not teaching your people what's going to be happening? That is embarrassing. 
One guy said, oh, you're a bad man preaching from Revelation. I said, I'm not a bad, I'm actually a good person. You're the bad one that's not telling your people about Revelation. You got to know what's going to be happening so you can better prepare. If we know there's a hurricane coming, we go to Publix or wherever and we buy our food, we put up shutters, and we protect a house that's going to be disappearing when Jesus comes back to judge this world. What about the soul that's going to exist forever? I get passionate about this because I don't like foolishness. When people are protecting everything else and leaving their soul wide open to the devil. Here you go, Lou. Have your way with me. Really? Don't be foolish. Let's read on. Verse 11, Revelation 20. And I saw a great white throne judgment. <laughs> and the one sitting on it. I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. Earth. Hold on a second here. Hold on, I gotta get my pages right. That's why I don't have my um, earpiece. <laughs> it's okay. All right. So, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the death and, death and the grave gave up their dead. Death and the grave is hell. And all were judged according to their deeds. So what happens is when someone dies now, they either go to heaven or they go to hell. If they go to hell, then they're going to be part of death in the grave, and they're going to be judged and then put in the lake of fire. The people who are in heaven, they're going to be judged and then go to the new Jerusalem. All right? So stay with me. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So that's for the people who allowed Satan to win the bid over their soul. Now, let me hear somebody say, what about me? What about me? You see, by asking that question, you're saying Satan did not win the bid over your soul. So let's look at what will happen to us who did not give in to that demon. Chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from God from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more debt or sorrow or crying or pain or paying taxes. All these things are gone forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, 
I am making everything new. That sounds good to me. That's music to my ears. Because I love new things. Oh, don't act like I'm the only one that like new clothes and new shoes. Where's Sister Denise at? Everybody like new shoes, new clothes, new cars, new house, new husband. Stop it. Stop it. Leave the new husband part off. Right? <laughs> Here's the thing. He said, I'm making all things new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, let me hear somebody say, I'm thirsty. I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious, let me hear somebody say, I'm victorious. Will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. Now, victorious is a serious word. To be victorious, you have to actually be in a battle of some sort. Whether it's a physical battle, a spiritual battle, a mental battle, emotional battle. We have to be in some form of a battle to be victorious. If there's no battle, there's no real victory. So while you're in a battle right now, you make sure you stay close to Jesus and get the victory. But he has one final verse, verse 8, for the people who don't want to win the battle. Verse 8, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all big fat liars. It has nothing to do with the size of your body but with the unmitigated gall of your big lying attitude and nerve. Hmm. Where are they going to end up? Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. My friends, I do not wish this on anyone. Keep this in mind. I'm just teaching you what the word says. Don't go there. Go where Jesus is going to take you. So you got to allow Jesus to win the bid over your soul. Key point number five, your final key point. The bids are in. Now, who will you award your soul to? Question mark. And then choose wisely. Exclamation mark. The bids are in. Now, who will you award your soul to? Question mark. Choose wisely. Exclamation mark. And I said it like that as a spirit of God lead because everyone has to decide for themselves on a daily basis who is going to win the bid over your soul. Satan is going to always try. James 4 and 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But he's going to come back. And when he comes back, you got to resist him again, or you go play around with him. I don't advise you playing around with that demon. Resist him. Final place we're going to turn to is Matthew 11. For all who may be feeling bad, don't worry. Jesus gives you an open invitation to come as you are and allow him to clean you up. 
Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for what? Your souls. So our souls will be at peace if we give it to Jesus. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I love it. I love knowing that I'm heaven bound. I don't have to worry about paying my bills. I don't have to worry about what happens to me tomorrow. If I die, so I go to heaven. If I live, good, I'm living for Jesus. It doesn't matter. The burden is light. You don't walk around stressed out, miserable, always wandering on the edge. No. Give your soul to Jesus and see what he will do with your life. The bids are in, my friend. Choose Jesus, and you will choose to win. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. A word that you saw fit to share with us today. Somebody needed to hear it. So let us give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. We thank you, because we all need to improve on our walk. And we just ask right now, that you would touch every heart, touch every mind, and everyone that needs to repent of their sins. Give them a supernatural, racing, speedy heartbeat right now. They may be listening on the radio, watching on YouTube, and they could very well be right here in the sanctuary, and they need to repent of their sins. Tug the hearts, Lord. I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer and everyone is invited to get spiritually cleansed because God has so much in store for us won't you repeat after me say Lord God I confess that I'm a sinner but today Lord I repent of all my sins and I turn to you. Wash me clean. And make me new. Thank you Jesus. For dying on the cross for me. And for being raised. On the third day. Come into my heart Lord Jesus. And stay with me. From this day forward, I am yours. Now, thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. To God be the glory, my friends. You said that prayer and you believed in your heart. Jesus came in. He poured his spirit in you. Allow him to lead you. Stop trying to lead yourself, and you'll see where it takes you. Hallelujah, Jesus.